Rejoice the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in situations by, by prayer is petence. With thanksgiving pres presence, your request to God and peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your heart and your minds in Christ. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, Think about such things, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. This is the word of the Lord. Yes. Thank you, buddy. Well, welcome. As I've already said, it is Family Worship Sunday where our kids are given the, where, where our kids this last week, I think most of us uh, and teachers and parents were given a couple of snow days. Can I hear it? Yeah? All right, parents, you can lodge yours too. Right? I mean, come on. It's uh, not always, uh, it's not always what you wish and desire, but it was a gift. And guess what? Uh, Mason's birthday was this week, and I believe, Mason, you asked for what? Did you ask for a snow day? You asked for snow day for his birthday. Yeah, it can't be anything better than that. That's great. I love it. I love it. Well, as a family, we also have been traveling through the 21 days of prayer and fasting together, which we officially concluded last night, if you did. If you're still going, keep going, uh, you know. But I do hope you are able to take advantage of this annual practice that we have as a church that we have been doing for, I think, nearly eight years. I've heard from a few of you, some of you have gotten a word for this year already. And that's a beautiful thing. We tend to uh, go to our financial consultant to make sure that we're set for the, this coming year and make sure our taxes are in a row, you know, all set. But uh, when we set up the 21 days of prayer and fasting about eight years ago, it was the design of desire. Not only would we communally uh, come together and pray for what the Lord would desire, but that you would individually do that. And to take a deeper dive into this first and foremost mission statement, our, our mission of ours, is to love God. And how do you love God more than what we ended with our message last week is spending time in prayer, uh, just being with him. And so uh, one of those things that we want you to do is, is to be about uh, praying and fasting. So thank you for that. And if you have a story or something you would like for us to know, uh, take that connection card that is in front of you in the pew or online, if you're online, and tell us the story. Tell us what the Lord has been doing for the last 21 days or where you feel he's moving because the Spirit is moving us. He's moving us in his direction. Well, we have been in a three-week message series called In Chains. In Chains. We looked at a few passages penned by Paul in the letter of 
uh, letter to the Philippians, Paul was in chains in Rome for telling people about Jesus. I mean, he was proclaiming the message of the gospel, and it, it found him a jail cell. Today's passage is found in Philippians chapter 4, as Mason has already read. So if you have not turned there, you might want to go ahead and turn there with us. And we thank you, Mason, for reading again. We're going to take a look at this, this passage in big, three big concepts uh, that are found in the text itself. That one is in the Lord. Uh, the second one is pray always. It may not be in that phrasing, but it's, it's there. And then fix your thoughts. Fix your thoughts. And then we're going to move on to the next steps where the kids zone are going to help us to help us to apply what we have what we're going to walk through together and then communion a little bit later with some celebration. Let me ask you, have you have you ever been in a situation uh, where you have been exposed rather than safe? Where you have been exposed rather than safe? Uh, you, you, you've been in a storm, and uh, instead of being at your house, you're in a campground, not in an RV, but you're in a tent. Uh, a little bit of exposure, especially when winds start to whip and rain starts to fall, or snow, I suppose, for some, right? Have you ever been there, right? Maybe you have traveled out of the country. Anybody traveled out of the country? Do you remember the first time you traveled out of the country? Second time is not so uh, concerning to you. You have some things under your belt. But the first time you go out of the country, you want to make sure that you have everything lined up. Even, even flying on the plane can be a little nerve-wracking because as you enter into a new country, they start to, uh, my first time, uh, first or second time, I can't remember, they started to hand out this little form you're supposed to fill out. And they tell you if you don't, hand, if you don't fill out the form right, right, uh, they can pull you aside. And in a different country with a different language, that seems rather intimidating, doesn't it, right? You're exposed. You're not safe, right? Well, Kathy and I were in South Africa this last year, and it was the, it was the first time I'd been out of the country where they drive on the wrong side of the road. <laughs> you know, that's kind of freaky in your brain. So you're, dri- you're in the car, and somebody else is driving, and, the, and it's all, I think they're all manual, manuals, at least the cars I was in. And so you have this person that's using their left hand where usually your right hand falls. Their steering wheel is not on the right side of the road. And you're, they're, they're on the edge of the road, not the middle of the road. And so if you hop in the Uber on the, in the middle of the road, uh, where the middle of the road is, it's kind of freaky. You look over and you're like, whoa, you know? I mean... It's just, it, it kind of unnerves you a little bit because you're out of your comfort zone. You're not in where it's comfortable. You're not home where it's familiar, but you're out of your comfort zone. In some ways, as followers of Jesus, that's exactly uh, the way we should be traveling through this world. But all too often, Paul doesn't address this, but all too often we have made this world comfort for ourselves and the world and it, that exists within the, the pages of the Bible is less comfortable and less familiar to us, right? And Paul is attempting in this passage of scripture to remind the Philippians and remind us this morning that we are citizens of heaven 
We're not citizens of Michigan or the U.S., but we're citizens of heaven first and foremost. So he wrote these words in the in the heading of in the Lord, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember the Lord is coming soon. Again, one of those grand reminders that God is on his march towards us. But he first says, always be full of the joy of the Lord. can, can you actually uh, say that this week, that was you this week? Every, every place, every space you were in, you were like, "Woo! I am so full of the joy of the Lord. Maybe you can, but maybe you can't. It kind, of, uh, it kind of is salt in the saddle, if you will, or in a wound when he repeats it, especially when you're not feeling it, right? Rejoice or be full of joy. It's like, All right, thanks, Paul. Do you really understand what I'm going through? I mean, just this idea, right? It's like having a test, Aiden, in a class you're coming up to, and you're stressing about it. The 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 multiplication test or the addition test or the subtraction test. You're you're trying to figure this out, and somebody says, Man, I'm having a great day. I've got this mastered, right? Somebody comes up, one of your friends, but you don't have it mastered. But Paul does. Paul understands what we need to come to understand, and he drives it home, right, with us. The simple exhortation to be full of the joy of the Lord, rejoice. Ever been in a heated discussion with your brother or sister kids? Ever? That's not a joy-filled moment. You may have even had one this morning. I pray that you didn't, but... Uh, sometimes those, uh, the, the evil one has his way on Sunday morning, you know, when you're moving towards church on Sunday morning, right? Ever got a bad grade? It doesn't feel like the joy of the Lord, does it? Uh, adults, uh, flat tire, car accident, uh, the report at the, at the doctor's, right? Doesn't feel like being full of the joy of the Lord. So what is what is Paul attempting to try to drive home? What is he trying to tell all of us? no matter our age or our stage. I think it's, it's in these words. It's in the Lord. It's in the Lord. That's what he's trying to say. Be full of the joy, joy, of, be, be full of, the joy of the Lord. In the Lord. Now, Paul makes it clear in Mars, at Mars Hill on Acts 17, uh, using the cultural poets of the time, he says this about their poets. He, he quotes them and says, for in him we live and move and have our being. That, that's exactly what Paul's attempting to get across in this, in this point. We can rejoice, we can have joy and celebrate because we are in the Lord. Not because of our circumstances, Uh, Not because of them, but because we're in the Lord. Our relationship with the Lord is so central that it becomes overwhelming to the situations and the circumstances. That hard test you have before you, uh, that, that speech that you have to give, whatever it may be, that he is with you and in you. This is the factor. When you've accepted Jesus, he is in you and helps you through all those things. So if you've decided to follow Jesus, you are in the Lord. You may not use that. Some of you who have received my emails know that I put in and with Jesus. In and with Jesus. It's not what I've said. It's what he said that I am. 
And I need to have that reminded of me on a regular basis that it's not about me, it's about him. You are no longer doing your life on alone and that on your own. And that's what Paul's trying to tell you. I, I mean, this the Uber driver in South Africa on the wrong side of the road or right side of the road, I needed to remind myself, right, that he knows what he's doing. We need to remind ourselves when we're in situations that God knows what he is doing, that Jesus knows, the Spirit knows, that the Word of God is truth, and it knows what should be exacted or brought about in those situations. Whether the accident test or a heated discussion is not where we find joy. Let, let me make that very clear, because it can come across like, oh, you should be happy because this is happening. No, no. Joy is something vastly different. It's found in the Lord, with the Lord. It is living and knowing his presence is with us. Uh, now, remind, we're going to remind ourselves that Paul is, is not only in a prison cell, but he's also chained, he's also connected to a prison guard. He is connected to the prison guard. Because of Paul's belief in God, because of his, his love and desire to live out the kingdom, he doesn't find joy in the situation or the circumstances. He finds joy in the Lord and living out the kingdom. And so God's going to show him and he's going to demonstrate through him in that place, how can I live out the kingdom? How can I be about the kingdom? And that's exactly what happens. We read earlier in the letter where he says that all of the palace guard, all of them know why I'm in chains. Because it's Jesus. Jesus is my life. He's my cause. He's the way I live. And that is his joy. That is his joy. The circumstance that I'm in today uh, dad, mom, grandpa, grandma, who, you know, kids, whatever circumstances you're in today may not giving you, be giving you happiness. It may not even be giving you joy. But the reality is that if God is with you, he will give you a joy of seeing the kingdom develop in that circumstance. The glory of God developed in that circumstance. When David writes about celebrating the Lord in the Psalms, we read the Psalms, He's not, all, he's not rejoicing in all of the situations he's in. He comes to this conclusion on a regular basis in his psalms. Rejoice, the Lord is king, Psalm 97.1 says. It's about God, about Jesus being king, no matter what is transpiring. The, the call of the psalms is to make a joyful noise to who? Not the situation, not the thing that we've made an idol around, because that's what happens. When we start to worry about something, we're going to get to it. When we start to worry about something, we have the potential of making an idol out of those very things that are bothering us. And we're not to do that. We're to lift our heads and we're to worship the Lord. That is what we're called to do. So the high point of this lever envisions all people bowing and proclaiming that Jesus Christ is Lord. You can see this in Philippians chapter 2, verse 11. Such a vision empowers even persecuted prisoners then and now around the world. I think I made mention of this uh, last week. We get the uh, magazine, Voice of the Martyrs, at our house. And in that magazine, over and over again, there are people who find themselves in places and spaces they would not want to be in. Nor would, and neither would we. 
But somehow the Lord shows up in those places and spaces and they're able to rejoice at the kingdom presence coming through, that God's kingdom is coming through. Uh, Paul reminds them, as we, may, we have looked at, uh, that, that, that we're to remember that the Lord is coming soon. And I understand uh, that seemed like a long time ago that he wrote that letter, and why is it not taking place? But even so, Paul says this, to live as Christ is to die as gain. What kind, of, what kind of celebration is that? To realize that living brings God glory, that dying brings me gain, and it does bring him glory too. Yet I think that many of us still kind of stumble through our days, maybe, uh, maybe a little bit better than stumbling, but ask the question, how do I live in Christ? How do I live so that Christ is living in me that I may be full of the joy of the Lord? You may be in a familiar place as Simon the sorcerer this morning, found in Acts chapter 8. Maybe you remember this story. Uh, Simon, he accepts Jesus. It's kind of an interesting story. The, 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 uh, the apostles share the message of Jesus. He accepts Jesus. Then he begins to follow them around, and he realizes they have this, they have this power that comes from the Spirit, and he says, how much for the power? He literally wants to pay them for the power of the spirit of the living God. But maybe this morning it's not about the power of the, the spirit to be able to do miracles, but you would just like to buy an ounce of joy this morning. You just want to buy an ounce of joy. You're willing to plop down the money so that you could have the joy of the Lord. Can, can I just tell you that it's, it doesn't work that way? You probably already guessed that. It, pro- it does not work that way. That there is a, there's a, a deep abiding joy that comes through a long-term relationship with living in and living with the spirit of the living God. So Paul continues, he says, pray always. Pray always. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God about what you need. So you have a test this week. Uh, you, you have a conversation you need to have, you have a job challenge, tell God what you need, and thank him for all he has done. I love this combination platter. We do it a little bit in the inverse when we come to church. We, we tend to start with praise, which is great, and thankfulness, and then we end on the other side of giving the Lord what we desire to have him have. The Lord wants us to think about all those places and spaces where he has met us. Sorry, I need to go on. I'm preaching in my my, uh, scripture. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. I, I, I love this. He starts out, don't worry. Anybody know the song? Don't worry. Yeah, not that song. I knew it would come to you because it came to me when I was like, uh, no, I listened to it. It's not that song. Yeah, it doesn't work that. But Paul pens and preaches what Jesus already proclaimed the kingdom manifesto is about. Now, if you don't know what the kingdom manifesto, that is the Sermon on the Mount, chapters 5, 6, and 7. Uh, just spend, uh, spend a few minutes, less than 15 minutes, spend a few minutes in there, and you will get, you will get what the kingdom in essence and in its embodiment is all about. But he says... He says this in Matthew chapter 6. I tell you, do not worry about your life. Don't worry about your life. 
How do you like that word? And think about that for a moment. We're not going to preach this. But think about that. Don't worry about it. But he goes on. What you will eat or drink about what your body, what you will wear, it's not, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Look at the birds. Have you ever watched a bird? Especially in the wintertime. Have you ever watched a bird? Not seemed not to be worrying. He says, they don't sow or reap or store away in barns, yet their heavenly father feeds them. And you, and you're, you, are you not much more valuable than they? He, he wants you to understand God wants you to understand that you are valuable to him. He will take care of you. And Paul is saying, look, don't worry. Don't worry. Tell tell God what you need. Tell him what you need. But this idea of telling God what you need has to be rooted in something. And I'm going to do some repeating because sometimes we don't get it the first time. That's the case with me. Is that sometimes we don't get it. So if you're going to put this in a in in an equation he says that you'll get peace he said if you're going to put it in an equation it would be this worry or anxiety plus prayer equals peace some of us need equations some of us need pictures right worry and anxiety pray plus prayer equals god's peace Uh, so you may be thinking what did these ancient people in the pagan in this pagan world have to worry about They had to worry about the very fact that they were saying Jesus is king. We don't have to worry about that. You may think you do, but you don't have to worry about that. Because if Jesus is king meant that Caesar wasn't king, that would put you in prison. And that, you might lose your life. They also had not only to worry about that, but that if they were, they had been raised in this culture that there were multiple gods for various different things to take care of various different illnesses and different things that were happening, right? And so they had to remember what God to pray for and to consider what, who was going to take care of what was going to be, what was happening in their life. But Paul presents this, don't worry about anything God, tell God what you need, right? Tell God what you need. So tell your, heavenly, tell your Father in heaven. You need to simply tell your hev- Father in heaven. Uh, this week, I had a, a few things that were caused me to have a bit of anxiety. You ever have one of those weeks? Maybe every week's like that. I understand. And worry a little bit. I, I was so tempted to get advice and guidance somewhere else first. Somewhere else first. I mean, it's, uh, it's a bad pattern of mine to kind of reach out and ask for help from people with skin on. There's nothing wrong with that. First, before I go to the Lord in prayer. And you know what that does to me? My anxiety and worry doesn't go down when I talk to people. It goes up. It ramps up and up and up. They don't help. They're limited in their, in their knowledge. They're limited in their ability. But... This week, in this, in this very specific situation, I, I went for a walk, and I went for a talk, and you know what happened? It de-escalated. The whole situation just de-escalated. In my heart first, and then in the situation next. It was a beautiful, beautiful thing. He says, tell your father in heaven. Tell your father in heaven. But I love this, and we, I was starting to preach on this already. But he says, tell God and yourself all he has done. Think about that. What has he done for you lately? I mean, 
Really, I mean, you can ask that question, right? Are, are you breathing this morning? Are you breathing oxygen? Are you spinning on the globe? At a very fast rate. Somebody in the room can probably tell me, but I don't know. I mean, it's amazing. It is truly amazing. And then you can, you can get even more personal with what, how those applications work. How did he take care of you this week? How, is he taking, how is he, has he taken care of you, right? He gave Mason a snow day. I mean, come on, right? It's beautiful. But this is the issue. And I think this is true. The kingdom equation only works, though, if we believe. And only if we believe rightly. So he tells us to fix our thoughts. Fix our thoughts. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable, right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Last week we talked about this this. Uh, this, uh, this iceberg picture that our, our thoughts come from our beliefs. I thought I would do it a little bit differently. Our, thought, our beliefs are, are the base of what we know and what we believe. And then our thoughts, and then we, our feelings come and our actions. This is really a healthy way to look at how you uh, work through something. If, if you're reacting out of your feelings, uh, just take a deep breath and then ask yourself what you do believe. What do you believe about God, about the world, about yourself? I mean, when you start to walk through that, things begin to kind of look a little bit different than when we start to kind of breathe shallow and think, uh, think thoughts that other people put in our minds, right? So we need, to, we need to fix our thoughts on what is true. What does it mean for God to say, or Paul to say, to fix our thoughts? I think one way is the Psalm 1 way, where he says, But they that delight on the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night, they are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither. They prosper in all they do. When we fix our thoughts on what God, how God thinks about the world, about us, about others, about how things are solved, we are thinking about things that are wonderful. We're thinking about those things that are honorable, right, pure, and lovely. But when we start to create the equation in our own minds of how things should be, uh, our world begins to kind of break apart. Our belief structure. So if you've not accepted Christ, if Christ is not your, if Jesus is not your Messiah, he's not your Lord and Savior, that is, I would say that is fundamental, that God is God, that what he said in the word of God is true, that Jesus is the Messiah, that he died on the cross. We'll get to that communion celebration in a few moments. That he died on the cross for our sins. Those things are primary beliefs. But if we say that we, as followers, if you're a follower of Jesus, you've said this, said to yourself, and maybe you've said it to others, if you've never said to others, hey, I'm a follower of Jesus, you need to do that. Because then they can go, oh, so you believe in the God of the Bible, the Bible, who has set certain precepts and ways of living and guidance for our life. One of the ways that early Christians figured out how to 
fix their thoughts was not only through scripture, was through creeds. Did you know that? The creeds were the summation of what many people believe. Like the Apostles' Creed. Would you say this with me? If this is what you can say with me, because you believe it. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into Hades. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge and quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You see what happens when we, when we recite scripture, when we recite a creed that we believe, we know, hey, I've accepted Christ, and we're grateful for those who, who wrestled through creating creeds, who put together the, the Bible and for us to, to be able to fix our thoughts. Uh, Paul tells us this, he says this in Romans 12, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, you may know where I'm going, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. It is, this is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed, what? By the renewing of your mind. Fix your thoughts. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Right? Oh, what peace comes to those who are fixed on his word. What peace comes to those who are in and with Jesus. He, he, Paul, moves us to this last portion of this passage of scripture we're looking at. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. It reminds me of, maybe this reminds you of the words of Jesus, right? In Matthew chapter 7 where he said, he says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a man who built his house on a rock. A man or a woman who builds their house on a rock. That when when we fix our thoughts on him and put into practice what he has already told us to do, like Brother Ray tells us, almost every time he preaches, we just have to do it. We just have to do it. Then our lives are about the kingdom. They're about peace. They bring an order. They bring a resolution. It is a beautiful thing. Yet it's not an easy thing, is it? To practice what Jesus has told us to practice. To put into, put into, put into practice what he has called us to do, right? But when we do, we can be promised that we will be full of the joy of the Lord. We will be full of the joy of the Lord. The spirit of the living God will resonate within us and resonate out. It will reflect out of us. Uh, John Mark Comer says this, if you want to experience the life of Jesus, you need to practice the life of Jesus. Seems pretty simple and maybe not too profound, but is definitely profound because it's not easy to do. But oftentimes we try to live it in our own way. 
And so when Paul advocates, you know, put into practice what you've seen me do because I'm following after the Messiah. I'm following after Jesus. So where do we, where do we bring this to? What's our conclusion? What's our next step? Our next step is, is simply this. We're going to pray. Tell your heavenly father. Tell your heavenly father. What is it that you're worrying about, that you're anxious about, you're concerned about this morning? Pray, tell your heavenly father.